Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Football Unscripted here on the Pit Talk Network. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, and with me in this episode, we have Pittsburgh Post-Gazette beat writer for Pit Football, Noah Hiles. Noah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Corey. I'm surprised you wanted me to come on. You know, Pit (laughs) fans are not the biggest fan of me right now, so uh, I I appreciate the invite. Well, I appreciate you coming on. So we're going to jump right into it because, yes, on the field, Pitt lost to Notre Dame 58-7. to Horrible, ugly loss, just a flat-out embarrassment. Then in the post-game press conference, Pat Narduzzi comes out. Uh, he is talking. He's at the podium. And uh, he's asked a question by a friend of the pod, Jim Hammett. And he said, the, the question was, you said this isn't a great situation your team is going through. Why do you think that is? And then Narduzzi gives an answer that's kind of rambling, kind of goes all over the place. You can tell he's frustrated by his body language, by his intonation. And then you tweet um, uh, that Narduzzi said, we lost a lot of good players last year. We thought we'd replace them, and we obviously didn't do a good job with that. Uh, it was, And then people online pick up with that. Some players see it. They react. Uh, the, the full quote was very similar, slightly different. It was, well, I mean, when you lose like you lost today and had a tough one last week, why is it? I'll go back as a football coach. You lose a lot of good players from a year ago and you think as a coach, you're going to replace them. And obviously we haven't. Again, it starts with me. I didn't do a good enough job coaching today. Put it on me and we've got to make plays. It just comes down to making plays and doing a better job coaching. So this led to a big backlash. Uh, Pat Narduzzi tweeted later that evening, quote, I am 100% responsible for today's loss. Like I said, after the game, it starts with me. I didn't do a good enough job coaching today. Put it on me. I remain committed to finishing the season strong with our team. Some players were tweeting. They were upset about it. They sort of took it as a personal slight. So just a whole lot. And then you sort of get the brunt end because the the it was not a direct quote. From your perspective, you had... People, you had players quote tweeting you, upset with their head coach. You had fans angry at you, saying that you're you're hurting the program. You've got Pat Narduzzi then sort of coming out and and apologizing and trying to clean up the mess. What was it like for you to be in the middle of this uh, storm? Uh, in one word, horrible. Um, you never want to be part of the story when you're when you're covering a team and and. Don't get me wrong, like any reporter who says they don't, you know, like praise is is lying. You know, it, it's nice when you get a scoop and you get credited, 
Like when I when I broke news earlier this year, it was cool seeing ESPN credit me. Um, but yeah, you you never want to be the main character on Twitter, right? And and I kind of was for like the whole blue base thing uh, way back when. Although like I don't know, I, I feel like that's not one you should really judge anyone's credibility on because it's about a, a vase. Personally, <laughs> like I don't think anyone in their right mind double sources vase reporting. Um, and then in this instance, yeah, I, I, I still kind of stand, I stand by what I, what I wrote. So, you know, you, you mentioned the, the full quote in context or like the full quote there. A lot of people think that like, I was trying to quote the full quote and that's not what I was trying to do. The part where, and you, you read it, the part that I like quoted, uh, that, was only trying to quote one sentence in that whole paragraph. The the part where he says, as a football coach, and it ends with, we haven't, from there to that end, that's all I was trying to quote. I wasn't purposely leaving everything out when I was trying to quote that. I was just trying to quote one sentence. If you And if you look at what I tweeted in that one sentence, there's not a lot of differences. There's like three or four words that are different. So yes, I did not get the verbatim quote correct and I won't make that mistake again. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as pulling something out of context, here's where my head was. He was asked a question about why his team is in a, I think, believe it was tough situation was the exact yeah, tough situation. Uh, so the tough situation isn't just because it just lost 50 by 51 points to Notre Dame. The tough situation is because it's two and six. So him taking credit for that Notre Dame loss has nothing to do with him discussing the overall season, in my opinion. So, uh, and, and if you watch the video that's out there online, yep. You can clearly see him take a little bit of a breath there. He's changing thoughts or, you know, he might be covering what he said because he knew he misspoke. So um, that's where my head was. I'm not ever going out of my way to make anyone look bad ever. Like you can talk to anyone that I've covered from the days I was covering high school sports to the days that I covered the pirates uh, and everything in between. When I was a news reporter, I don't get any enjoyment from covering bad games, bad 100%. stories, bad news. I'm a very positive person. I think anyone who knows me would agree with that. I mean, I think if you follow me online on social media, you'd agree that I have a pretty fun and happy personality. I'm not really a negative guy. So I don't really enjoy watching and, and, and writing about this team's struggles. Last year was a lot more fun than this year, Corey. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And I get it. People were mad. It's a Saturday night. It was a holiday weekend, a Halloween weekend. I'm sure some of these people had a few drinks. They were upset. And I was an easy target. I mean, look at me. I'm an easy target. I look like a fool, right? No, I'm just kidding. But um, in all seriousness, yeah, like I, I, I get where their heads were. They, they saw, I mean, there were a lot of players that reacted to yeah. that tweet. And they thought on top of seeing a 50-point loss by their favorite team, that all these players are now going to leave. Uh, and that like, it's, it was like a program defining moment. And then when they found out that my quote wasn't verbatim and that there was more to it, as far as more like a whole paragraph. And I tweeted two sentences from that paragraph because they were the only two that really pertained 
to the actual question that was asked, um, they look like I, or they, they came to the conclusion that I went out of my way to try to like sabotage things that I was kicking this team while it was down, that I was trying to cause a divide. And, uh, to those people who believe that, I mean, they're just giving me way too credit uh, or way too much credit. I see. I can't even get a sentence right there. Uh, I, I don't, it's just not how I am. That's not how, who I, that's not how I think. Um, and again, I'm not sure what I would benefit from by destroying this football program. I, I would much rather cover bowl games and ACC title runs and meaningful football than a head coaching search, than half the team going into the transfer portal. Like I, I don't enjoy covering that kind of stuff. So no, it was not intentional or anything. And yeah, it, it sucked. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like Saturday night, I was, I remember when the game was what it was with like five minutes left. I said to a couple of other reporters, it's like, Hey, you know, we're all going to be done with work by like 10 PM. Like <laughs> this one's going to be pretty easy to little. Did you know <laughs> recap? Yeah. Like I was excited to like go out with my girl, you know, my girlfriend made the trip down there. We were going to go out dressed in a couple's costume. Um, you know, that didn't happen. <laughs> I, 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 uh, when we were walking back, I remember thinking like, yeah, there's no way I can go out as Austin powers tonight. That's just, <laughs> just not happening. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was rough, man. Like it's, it's, it's tough. And I, you know, like it was cool seeing pretty much any journalist that weighed in on this took my side, which was really cool to see uh, because, you know, I respect their opinions a little bit more than some person on Twitter with 150 followers who, you know, must've been a journalism professor for Halloween this year. Uh, <laughs> so it is what it is. And I'm not, T trying to talk down on pit fans. They can think whatever they want of me and my reporting. I think overall my body of work speaks for itself. And I say that in a good way. Um, but yeah, like it, it sucks. It sucks opening your phone when you're driving home from Notre Dame, every time you stop to get gas or stretch your legs or use the restroom and you open your phone and there's like 80 notifications of people telling you how stupid you are and how bad you suck. Uh, it just never ends, man. And um, I will say it's got a little better today. Uh, I'm sure it'll get better as the, as the days go on. Um, not looking forward to the next time I break news. Cause there are going to be some people who just immediately say you're wrong. You're lying. Right. But the truth of the matter is if I'm right with that story, there's nothing they can say. And like I said, I, I think I'm right pretty often. You know, I was wrong about a vase and I was wrong about three words in a tweet after a 51 point loss. If those are my two biggest flaws, then, you know, I think I'm doing okay overall, Corey. Yeah, we should we should remind people you're the one that broke the story of uh, Phil Jerkovic being benched at quarterback for Christian Veyer and moving to tight end, yeah. which was proven to be true. Took a little bit. There was some doubt. And then turns out, yeah, he was benched and he is getting reps at tight end or at least practicing at tight end. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it certainly is there. It's it's. Yes, there was a mistake. As you said, a couple words were wrong, but it was not, it didn't change the sentiment of the feeling. And you could read the full quote, you could watch the video, and you could see that Pat Narduzzi was frustrated. And he said something that he shouldn't have said. And everyone's been there. I mean, people say things they shouldn't have said. And as you said, he sort of caught it right away. The second that he ends that sentence, he tries to then sort of go, yeah, it's on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah the players are as good, but it's on me. And to build off of that, I mean, what he said, was not wrong. 
I think yep. he didn't – he – and we asked him about this Monday. Today is when we're recording this. Um, we, we asked, like, we asked, we were, we were like, well, you, you felt like your message didn't come across the correct way. It wasn't received correctly. Well, what were you trying to say? Because I think what he was trying to say is kind of what he said, just in a lighter note. And he's right. There, there's no Kalaja Kansi on this team. There's no Servassier Dennis. There's no Eric Callett. There's no Izzy Abanacanda. Yep. There's no Jared Wayne. There's no Brandon Hill. That's just the reality of it. And that's not an incorrect take to have. I mean, if you look, those names that I just named were all very, very big contributors to last year's success. They were the ones that made the big plays when they needed to be made. And yeah, you know, when you, when you replace or when you have to replace the best defensive lineman in the country with, you know, a whole bunch of guys who have been rotational players, their collegiate career, or some guys who are getting their first ever playing time, you're not going to probably be able to replace that type of production. That's just the reality of it. The same thing with Cervasier, Dennis, you know, the key to that defense for so long and two safeties who are in the NFL. And then on offense, you had a running back who scored like almost every one of your touchdowns and a receiver who was responsible for the large majority of your passing production. And yeah, the offense is worse than it was last year. And the defense is worse than it was last year. It's because this team right now, doesn't have any star players. I don't think you're going to see any pit players on the all ACC accolades list this year. Um, and that doesn't, that's not me saying that I think this whole team stinks either. Right. I think there are really good players on this team. I think they're going through growing pains right now. I think there are a lot of sophomores, freshmen, you know, retro freshmen, retro sophomores, even a couple of juniors who are a year or two away from being maybe as good as Eric Hallett or Servassier Dennis, or Jared Wayne. And there are a couple of guys who I think maybe one day will be as good as Izzy Abanacanda and Kalaja Kansi. I really do. So, you know, it's just they're not there yet. And I think that's kind of what he's trying to say is it's a young team, especially in the areas where players of last year were replaced, and they're just not getting the high-end production from their upperclassmen that they've received in the last two years which has drastically been why they've been successful. Absolutely. It's, it's again, it's not too dissimilar from him saying, yeah, we last year's team was really good. This year, we're not as good. It's now the way right. he said it, I can understand why people are angry, but no one can possibly dispute that, including the players. It's really difficult to replace those guys that left. They haven't done a great job. That's 100% true. I get why some fans don't want to hear it. I get why the players on this year's team don't want to hear it. But I, even him saying that the players, that they haven't been able to replace the guys from last year, I don't even think that's a slight on the talent of these players. No. I think that's just how it is building a college football program. Everyone not everyone, a lot of people assumed before this season that they would be able to replenish the defense as they have in the past. But man, that's incredibly difficult. I mean, that's a really yeah. tough task. So many talented players left. And for almost every program, save for like the Alabamas and Georgias of the world, you do have down years where you have to replace people and get people reps and get better. So to me, that's not a slight on the players. And again, I can understand why they took it that way. And that led to the tweets and sort of the backlash. But Ultimately, I don't think this is on any one person, and I think it's just a reality of the situation. 
Yeah, and like you said, I mean, there aren't many players who can just replace a star with another star. That's just not how it works. What Pitt needed to have happen this year were was for the guys who had already been starters to go on and become stars. The Bengali Kamaras, the, the Shane Simons, the, the Bub Meanses. And that, that just hasn't happened for one reason or another. Some guys have been injured. Some guys have kind of suffered due to the players around them not being up to par. But whatever the reason is, those guys weren't stars. So then you look at the replacement guys. They're not going to be stars in their first year as a starter. They're just not. And, you know, you can point out how well Pitt develops, develops talent. And I'm not going to refute that. But, you know, you, you list those names. Kenny Pickett, the, the Jordan Addisons, the Izzy Abanacandas, the, the Servassier Dennis's, those names. How many of do, those dudes were stars as true freshmen? Right. Not many, right? They needed years to get going. Like, Izzy was solid, you know, as, his, as he was younger. But he got better as he got older. Same for Kenny Pickett. Sure. He was great in his first start, but compare Kenny Pickett's numbers in 2018 to 2021. He's a different player. And you could say that about Voss. I mean, hell, look at on their current roster. Look at the growth MJ Devonshire's had in two, three years. That's what you're doing when you're a program like Pitt and you're relying on three stars, a couple of four stars. If you don't have a roster full of five and four stars, you're going to need these guys to get a year or two of experience under their belt before you can truly rely on them to produce at a high level. And the mo- the majority of the roster just doesn't have that experience. And the guys that do, I think we've already discovered they're just not going to be the players who are going to be your superstars. So in a couple of years, I think this team will be good. I really do. Like I, I look at some of the players they have up front. I look at their quarterback. I think Bayer's going to be good. I look at these running backs that they have coming in in this recruiting class. I think there's serious talent at the wide receiver position. Um, and there's there's potential all over the board on defense. But they're just not there yet, and that's okay. Yeah, I think that's okay is the big thing. And there was a lot of backlash and people upset about it. And and I think people projected onto the the quote what they thought he meant or or what he thought he was saying. And I think a lot of people assumed and including the players. And again, I'm not faulting them for feeling how they feel, but I think a lot of people assumed it meant these guys aren't talented enough. These guys are bums. These guys. And that's not what he was saying. Deion Sanders said something closer to that than Pat Narduzzi did this weekend. What Pat Narduzzi said is exactly what we've been saying is that they thought they were, you're going to replace them and they haven't. Now, maybe he shouldn't have said exactly that. Maybe he should have said, we haven't yet. Maybe he shouldn't have said they're very talented. Maybe he should have said that's our job to coach them up. Yeah, maybe he should have said, given more context and sort of worked it back. But ultimately, it does not seem like what a lot of people were projecting was actually the case or actually his feelings. And and we're, we're going to talk about the players in just a second. But two things before we move on from this aspect. In terms of, wanting to see the team that you cover um, fail or, or have controversy. You're hundred percent right that it, it is complete. It makes no sense. Anyone who has been, and I've been in many a post-game press conference, anyone who has talked to a player or a coach after a loss 
knows how much it sucks. It's not fun. No. They're not having a good time. You're not having a good time. Like, it's not enjoyable. No one wants to do that. And especially when you compare to a coach or player after a win where mm -hmm. they're feeling good and they're more open to talk. Like it is, it is just logical that as a reporter, as a media person, you want to have the people be in a better mood that you're talking to and trying to get answers from. You're not happy when they lose. And in your case, that, that is just so obvious and apparent, but I just wanted to uh, double down on what you were saying uh, in terms of the intention behind it. There was certainly no intention of doing that because logically it just wouldn't make any sense. And, and on the second part, were you really planning on going out as Austin Powers? Yeah. So <laughs> my girlfriend and I have a couple's costume. Um, she's going to dress as the character Beyonce played. I believe okay. her name was Foxy Cleopatra. That's true. Uh, yeah. Yes. And I was going to be Austin Powers. I think we're going to, we might dress up tomorrow. I don't know. Um, and we're going to go to a party this weekend where I think we will. She just wanted pictures. And to be honest, I thought it was a great costume idea. So, yes, we were we were going to do that. I even packed costumes for other people uh, in the pit media who made the trip out. Uh, but, yeah, that that idea got sullied pretty was, quick. Was Jim Hammett going to be gold member? No, Jim Hammett was actually going to be a cow. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't think he was actually going to put that costume on, but I brought a cow You were going to try to get him to I be. brought a cow onesie for Jim Hammett. And, uh, you know, and Stephen Thompson, another reporter uh, who writes for Sports Illustrated, he had a kangaroo onesie. So I think he and I were both going to try to get uh, our pal Jim to dress up. I don't know how successful we would have been uh, with those efforts, but nonetheless, it did not happen. Yeah, well, it, it's still a great idea. Hopefully that Austin Powers costume yeah. gets worn. While while I didn't like the third movie as much as the first two, it's still very solid. I, yeah. I will give it that very solid. I agree. It was by far the least uh, popular, but, you know, my it, it's it would be a cool costume. Yeah, it'd be yeah. a great, great couple's costume. Uh, before we move on from the quote and all that, just talking about the player. So Pat Narduzzi in his Monday press conference, he walked everything back. He fell on the sword. He said he apologized to the players. He called them. He didn't say what he meant to say. You can judge him by his years of experience with Pitt, how he looks out for his players, how he stands by them. He said, quote, my guys are my guys. He didn't get much sleep on Saturday night because he felt bad. So he really made it clear that he does value his players and he apologized to his players and he didn't mean to, uh, and certainly was not intending to put down his players based on all the, the players that we saw tweet on Saturday night after the game, a lot of frustration, a lot of people upset fans were looking at it thinking everyone's going to transfer out the program's melting down. This is it. Do you think this is going to have a lasting impact? Do you think Pat Narduzzi has, lost some of his players or maybe even a lot of his players or do you think that the culture that he's built he can apologize explain himself and then these guys can can come back together um i'll say this i i think pat narduzzi and he pointed this out monday pat narduzzi is a player's coach i mean he, he loves his guys there's no denying that and and and, and i think that Anyone who's committed to playing this program, you're not committing to Pitt because you think you're going to win a national championship. I mean, you hope to, don't get me wrong, but you're not looking at Pitt and being like, oh, their last title's in 1976. This next one's coming next year. 
you're going there because you believe in the head coach. You believe in his culture. And you believe that maybe one day because of those things, you can compete in a college football playoff setting and have your own shot. But the selling point is what Narduzzi has built, which is stability, which is trust, which is honesty. He's He's got all of those things. I, Pat is an honest guy for the most part. I mean, you know, coaches lie about injuries and stuff to us reporters, but that's all in the name of competition. You know, like I, I get that. And in this case, he was almost too honest to, to right. his own and, fault. And that's yeah. the thing. So I think that, yeah, I, I think a lot of players are able to recognize that this dude does care about them. Like, I, 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 I really don't think there are many who feel like this guy doesn't care about them. I will say I'm sure there are players that are frustrated. How could you not be? When you got to think a lot of the guys on this team, winning is all they know. You know, they, they're, they've been here in Pittsburgh for no losing seasons. There's not one person on this roster who's been a part of a losing season at Pitt. And for the last two years, I mean, they won a championship and they won a Sun Bowl and they've been ranked. And this is not the standard that they are used to. So they don't know what to think. And I'm sure, yeah, there are, there are people that are frustrated for many reasons. Some people feel like they probably should be getting the football more. Some people think they should be playing more. Some people think they should be playing a different role or that other people are playing too much. There's That exists on any team that's two and six. I don't care how good your culture is. There are going to be, there are going to be players that are disgruntled when you're underperforming as a unit. Um, do I think there's going to be a mass exodus this offseason in the portal? No. I'm sure they're going to lose some players. But that's every football program. And this that's every lost- football program that wins three, right. two, three, that, four games. I mean, and that's that, but I mean, that's every program regardless. Yeah. I mean, dudes transferred out of Georgia last year. Like, it's people who played, like, real yeah. minutes said, I'm good. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And so, yeah, there, there were guys like, people who actually had a role on the team that left the program last year in the portal for Pitt. So yeah, you're going to see a couple, I'm sure you'll see a couple of guys who are starters or, you know, key reserves that transfer, maybe a key freshman or two, but that's just what happens when you're in college football in 2023, especially if you're underperforming as a team in 2023. I don't think that anyone's mind was made up one way or another based off of what, Pat Narduzzi said Saturday night. It might have been maybe like adding fuel to their fire, but overall, I mean, I think if a guy is going to leave, it's going to be more than just because of what someone said in a press conference after their team lost by 51 points. Completely agree. It's not, as you said, if they're going to leave, it's going to be because they're not getting on the field as much as they would hope, or they're not getting the targets they want, or the team just, they thought the team was going to be more like they have been the past two seasons and they want to go to a team that's better, or they don't like a certain coach or coordinator or whatever. It's not just going to be this, as you said, maybe that sort of cements it. And you can totally understand why people would be frustrated. Players on that team would be frustrated an hour after they just lose to Notre Dame that badly, but it doesn't seem like this one thing led to a mutiny and the team is going to give up on the season and they're going to walk out because he does seem to have a great relationship with these players and he does have a track record. And so if they 
won it out before, if they were frustrated before, yeah, this is going to add to it. But it also, I think, says something about him that he immediately jumped on it, pretty much. It, I mean, he tweeted that out. He was calling players. He said, I think the first person he called was Gavin Bartholomew. He was he was talking to the players on Sunday. Like, he apologized profusely. He wanted them to know this was a mistake. It, this was not Deion Sanders going in and saying, hey, you guys better get get out. Hit the transfer portal because I don't want you here. This is not that. Right. No, and that, that's not who he is. Like, a lot of people think I hate Pat Narduzzi based off of, you know, this weekend's tweet. I don't hate Pat. I like Pat. Pat has introduced me to his wife and kids. I've talked to Pat off the record about just any, anything from breakfast places in Pittsburgh to just, you know, life. He's I think Pat Narduzzi's a good dude. I really do. I think that sometimes he puts his foot in his mouth. I think he would even admit that sometimes he does yep. that. But at the end of the day, he's the best football coach this program has seen in 30 years, most successful. Um, his stubbornness, as much as it has screwed him over this year, has worked out well for him. And I don't blame the man for doubling down on himself and for feeling confident because that's how he's got to where he is, by doubling down on himself and by being confident. So I don't think Pat's a bad guy. I don't think he's a bad coach. I think if Pat sticks around here, which I believe he will, he's going to end up getting this team back to another ACC title game eventually. I don't know if that'll be next year. I don't know if that'll be in 2030 or somewhere in between there or after. But I think that, yeah, he's a good coach and he's a good program builder. And uh, I have nothing against the guy. I have to write about when the team's bad. That's my job. And I have to write about when the team's good. That's also my job. The reality is it's been a bad team this year. It certainly has. So let, let's talk about certain positions, certain players, what we saw in this Notre Dame game. Christian Vare struggled mightily. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, Kenny Pickett, he struggled a lot in his sort of that first year where he just played a little bit, you know, obviously the Miami game. And then his first full season, there were a lot of struggles there. And there were some questions, is he the guy? And then, of course, he turns into a Heisman finalist. So this is not to say that Christian Vayer isn't the guy. But he had a rough game, 14 for 29, 127 yards, no touchdowns, four interceptions, some of them ugly. Nate Yarnell then came in, played a little bit late. He had two incredible passes, a 50-yard pass to Kenny Johnson, 25-yard touchdown pass to Kanate Mumfield. So by all accounts, Pat Narduzzi seems actually pleased with this. He doesn't seem to be losing faith in Christian Bayer. He no. doesn't seem to be questioning if Nate Yarnell should be the guy. It's His attitude seemed to be, based on his Monday press conference, we've got two good quarterbacks. We've got Christian Bayer, who remains the starter, who's not going anywhere, and Nate Yarnell, who is proving to be a legitimately good backup. Right. And that's how it should be. Like I, I, I talked about this on my mailbag that I recorded with my co coworker, Chris Carter, uh, which runs on Tuesday. I don't have the direct numbers in front of me, but you know what Kenny Pickett's third career start was? It was against Penn state when they lost 51 Ooh. to six, you know, he did not play well in that game either. He threw for less than a hundred yards. So Christian Bayer and his third career start and granted, he's a red shirt sophomore instead of what Kenny Pickett was a true sophomore at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, these, these guys are young and they're going up against good defenses. Notre Dame's defense is really good. They're that phenomenal. secondary is unbelievable, man. Look at the dudes they got. That, that Xavier Watts is a stud. I think he has, what, six interceptions now this year? And, and four of those came in the last two games. So yeah, that's going to happen when you haven't 
had a lot of playing time in your college career, it's easy to look good against Rutgers like he did at Penn State or against Wake Forest or even against Louisville, who's ranked. But when you play these teams like Notre Dame that they're not like Louisville where they're new to the rankings, they are always in that conversation. And those players, they know how to take advantage of a rookie. And that's what they did. And that's okay. And I, I was actually really impressed with what Christian said after the game. Because uh, we asked him, you know, like, how, what do you take away from this? Like, how do you, how do you not let this crush your confidence? And he's like, look, man, like, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to watch the film. I'm going to address the mistakes that I made. And I'm going to be better from it. And I completely agree. Everyone gets better from failure. Everyone, including me. You, you won't see me live quote tweeting Pat <laughs> in press conferences anymore. It's just going to be a general synopsis of his statements. Yeah. I'm going to get better from it, right? So same thing goes for, for CV. I, I, I don't know if he's going to have a rebound performance this Saturday, considering that he's probably playing an even better defense. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I mean, I, I still think the guy's got a, 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 a ton of potential. And... I don't know. I, I think that he's going to have to go through his lumps, but this is the year for that to happen after a one and four start where they're probably not going to a bowl game. Wouldn't you rather he and all these young linemen and all these young receivers and all these young linebackers and safeties, wouldn't you rather them all go through their growing pains together and you just kind of have one really, really rough year and then next year they're all going to come back better and maybe not all of them, but enough of them where it's going to make a noticeable difference. I think that's what's going to happen here. So Pitt's going to be just fine at quarterback. Yeah, the last time that we saw a Pitt team not make a bowl game was 2017, that year when Kenny Pickett did come on late. And then the next year, they went 7-5, and five, made it to the ACC championship game. Right. And then the year after that, they got better. So programs have these down years. They do use them to get better. And by all accounts, it seems like Christian Vare is going to use this to get better. As he said, he makes mistakes. You make mistakes. I make mistakes. We all make mistakes in our work. You use that to grow and to get better as long as you're given the opportunity to do that. And in my opinion, all of us should have that opportunity to do that. And certainly it seems like Christian Vare is having the opportunity that yes, he's going to struggle. Yes, he's going to have some bad games. It happened against Notre Dame, a, probably a top 10 defense in the country. Have, it's probably going to happen against Florida State, top right. 10 defense in the country. But he's going to use that to improve. Looking at some other parts of the offense, the running game still just, they're not able to, to find something. Frank Signetti loves the running game. He wants to, to run his offense through the running game. But they just haven't been able to get it to work. Rodney Hammond got some more carries, uh, but ultimately six attempts, 31 yards. Sebo Flemister had the most with eight carries, 24 yards. Really just could not get anything going on the ground. As we said, Notre Dame's a phenomenal defense. But what do you think about the struggles the running game has had in, in this whole season, really? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a part, it's it's a two-part problem. One, I think the offensive line A is been battered with injuries. I mean, Notre Dame's not the team to start a tackle at for his first game. And I, you know, Tarantino's props to him. I mean, he he answered the bell, and I think he's gonna be a fine player, but that's just not a team you want to make your first start against if you're an offensive tackle. And 
you know, Ryan Bear is young. BJ Williams is young. And, and you know, while Blake Zavovic and, and Jake Cradle are vets, they've been dealing with injuries this year, as have guys like Mackensolvis and Ryan Jacoby who are out for the year. That That's a position where there's not been a lot of continuity. And um, it seems like the, in recent weeks, it's been pass protection that has been their focus. That was the big talk after Cincinnati. And uh, I think they have improved with pass pro. For a while, I mean, Christian only got sacked once in his first two starts. That's notable. And that was against a good Louisville defense, too. Um, but yeah, as far as run blocking, it's 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 tough, man. It's it's tough. And I think that the offensive line's a problem. I also just think that their running backs aren't as good as what they were last year. And I'm sorry if that upsets people for saying it, but Israel Banacando was a really, really good player last year. And there's a lot of runs where you look at it and it's sometimes 10 yards or 15 yards. And you think, man, Izzy would have probably taken that to the house. Yeah. And, um, you know, Rodney Hammond Jr. I think has, it's been a multitude of things as to why he hasn't been able to really get going. I think he's been banged up. I think there might be some strife between him and the coaching staff. Uh, I think there's, you know, another element where, they, they really want to get Sebo Flemister involved just because of his leadership role on the team. And I also think that there's been a lot of times where they simply couldn't get the run going because they fall behind early and they have to throw. So you can't really run the ball in those spots. Yeah, it's been tough. And not only do they fall behind early in terms of the score, they even fall behind early in terms of possessions right. where it's just out of the gate. It's like second and 14 and yeah, you're not at that point. You're not really able to just run the ball twice and try to get a first down. So it just hasn't worked out. And um, the, the whole offense still struggling. Gavin Bartholomew didn't even have a reception in this one. Yeah. Arguably one of the most talented players on this team. Pat Narduzzi said on Monday that he wants that. What do you think about, sort of the relationship between what Pat Narduzzi says he wants from the offense and then Frank Signetti, who is running the offense as offensive coordinator. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, it's just, I don't know what Pat wants. I think Pat just wants an offense that's going to score points, right? I mean, he was pretty picky about what he wanted from his offense after they won a championship yep. and, and, you know, voice that Whipple wasn't running the ball enough and everything, but yeah, I just, they've got to figure it out. They've got to figure it out. Last year, they could go with the run-heavy stuff, and it worked because they had to start running back. But that was the thing. They Last year, they were good at getting the ball in the hands of their star players. And they're not doing that this year. They're not getting the ball in the hands of, of Rodney Hammond Jr. enough or, or Gavin Bartholomew enough or even guys like Kenny Johnson and, and Kanate Mumfield. Like, those guys just aren't being used enough. So. Yeah, I think it's safe to say Pat is frustrated with how the offense is being ran. Um, I don't know what that's going to lead to in the offseason, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, Gavin's probably not happy. Rodney's probably not happy. I would say Frank's probably not happy because his offense is ranked toward the bottom in the league. And, and if he's not happy, then Pat's definitely not happy. Yeah, and and certainly fans aren't happy. Like no one's happy with no with one's this happy. offense this season. It, it's been rough, and except for me. Except for me, because I root for these guys to lose. Corey, I, <laughs> right? I want, yeah, I want right. them to, to all struggle and and quit the team. 
Apparently. It's certain, that certainly so, yeah. makes that makes your job easier when everyone right. is angry it does. and upset. Yeah, it definitely yep. makes that easier. Uh, yeah, and and you talk about Pat Narduzzi, and I think one of the surprises why he was it took him so long to want to make a move at quarterback, make a change, and why he doesn't seem to even be more upset return regarding the offense is that his defense is still for the most part good. Now I know that's a little difficult to, to say and, and defend after giving up uh, 58 points to Notre Dame, but in so many cases in this game and this season, the defense has played really well, but the offense just has not put them in a good position because the offense can't stay on the field and give the defense a breather. The offense might turn the ball over in a difficult position and not give the defense much room to work with. So the defense in this game, the first three Notre Dame uh, possessions, interception, interception, turnover on downs. The defense came out playing very well. Philip O'Brien and Brandon uh, Brandon George both had interceptions. They should have gone into halftime only down seven to nothing. There was a muff punt, and we could talk about special teams, and then an interception for that Veyer threw in Pitt's own territory that left the defense up in, in their own spot, and then that led to a field goal. But the defense alone really only allowed seven points at halftime to Notre Dame. It's just you can only hold on for so long when the offense isn't able to give you much to work with. Things got off the rails, and in the second half, obviously, it became what we all saw. But this defense, even though they gave up 58 points, this still seems like if the offense puts them in a little bit better of a position, if these guys have time to grow and gel together, they can still be a really good defense. I think they still are a pretty good defense. Yeah, I I think they are too. Um, You you even look at that third quarter where – things really unraveled. I mean, a lot of that was based off of turnovers. Yep. I mean, they got one score because of Devonshire's muffed punt. They got one score because of a pick six. And I I, I believe a turnover set up another touchdown drive as well that quarter. Yeah, I, could I believe be wrong so. There. I believe um, but if not, if not, no worries. Uh, it's just like, yeah, like you can't, you can't keep playing at this high level and just expect – your defense to do all the work unless your defense has TJ Watt on it. So like, you know, <laughs> you can win games like that, but there's no TJ Watt. And, and I, I do think this is a good pit defense overall. It's just not good compared to the standard that they've had recently, which is, you know, one of the top sack defenses in the country, one of the top scoring defenses in the country. And I'm not talking about allowing points. I'm talking about scoring actual <laughs> touchdowns. And they've already done that. I think they've scored what two defensive touchdowns yeah, this year? They play MJ had yeah, yeah and, yeah. and Braylon Loveless had one against Virginia Tech. Yeah, like that it's just not as good as it's been in recent years, but it's by no means bad. And I and I think that and this goes for any defense. If you have a bad offense, your defense suffers because of it. And unless if you are an elite, 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 like Everyone talks about like the the eighty five Bears or even better example like the two thousands two thousand Ravens because like they didn't have that crazy great of an offense and their defense would just win them football games specifically the Ravens I mean the Bears had Walter Payton so I guess like, so that helps yeah <laughs> yeah but like like you look at, like that team or whatever it's like there would be games they would just win because their defense like you're not gonna see many of those defenses out there period in college football you know because it just doesn't happen. Certainly like not that. anymore. The only ones that did do it were like Alabama, LSU, and, in right, 2007, and, and they've right. gone away from that. And well, it's like 
you know, the teams that have those defenses, that's just because of recruiting, and they're probably able to recruit the offensive side. Yeah, of ball exactly. Too. Unless you're Iowa. Uh, but <laughs> even they can't eke out these close wins anymore. So, yeah, I, I think that the defense, if the de- if this defense had the same os- offensive production from last year's team, I think that their numbers would be so much better in so many different categories. But they suffer. They suffer from losing time of possession. They suffer from, I think, even just morale. Like, when you get two turnovers in the red zone and you force a three and out on the road at Notre Dame and that results in zero points, like, that's going to sting a little. And it's easy to get down. Uh, But, yeah, I I don't think it's a bad defense by any means, and I think it's only going to get better, like the offense. Um, And as the offense improves and puts up points – and keeps them off the field and doesn't go three and out as often and doesn't turn the ball over, this defense is going to play better. Yeah, completely agree. One more thing about this game uh, before we we start to wrap things up and look ahead. The special teams struggled in this game. The first score of the game was a Notre Dame punt return for Chris Tyree. Quite a few missed tackles on that play. MJ Devonshire missed a punt in the third quarter. That was recovered by Notre Dame for a touchdown. Ben Sauls missed a 45-yard field goal. You mentioned uh, in, in the Post-Gazette that, that he's been struggling, certainly more than last year. Do you think the special teams' problems in this game were more of a one-off or more of a, pro- a serious problem that this unit is having all season long and needs to, to really improve on? I don't think they've had good special teams in the last two seasons. Yeah. I, I mean, Ben Sauls had a great end to last year. Um, and sure, you know, MJ was a good, they've had good individuals, I would say. Like they had a kicker get hot at the end of last year. They had a punt returner who is super fast and every now and then he can break one. But if you look, their punt team stunk last year. And this year, you know, the average punts have gone up, but they've allowed two punt return touchdowns. And, you know, there there's still just too many duck kicks that only go like 30 yards. And when you're a team whose offense ranks near the bottom in pretty much every statistical category, you can't afford to have that happen. The kickoff team has been fine because, you know, let's be real, kickoff is becoming a more and more relevant thing with the touchbacks and everything. Uh, But yeah, punt's been bad. Punt return hasn't been great. They've had a couple of individual efforts again this year, though. I mean, Kenny Johnson had that nice kick return. Um, And and Rasheem Biles has blocked two punts this year as a true freshman. But overall, aside from a couple of notable individual efforts, this unit is just not getting it done. I mean, it's regressed in in the kicking game. It's a little better in punt, but not much if you're still allowing points on fourth down. And like kickoff and kick return, just they're not like amazing. So that's my thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I see I see notable problems. I don't know if that will lead to a coaching change in that area or not, uh, but something's got to give because, yeah, the special teams have not been good this year. Yeah, it, it is far, far from a strength, the special teams unit. So that was Notre Dame. Looking ahead to next week, not going to get any easier. The Panthers no. are going to host fourth-ranked Florida State. They're dominant. Jordan Travis, Heisman candidate. They've got a great defense. That said, they did have one game in which they struggled at Boston College in September. 
They won by two points, 31 to 29. They might have lost, but Boston College had back-to-back face mask penalties on the final possession of the game that, that just ended them. And they had a ton of penalties throughout the game. But Florida State, they were kind of on the ropes in that one. So looking at this upcoming game, do you see any chance for Pitt to be in that Boston College-like situation where the Knowles travel up north? Maybe something happens. Maybe they play a close game. Or is Florida State just too good? They're too good. I mean, and maybe that's why Pitt wins this game outright. You know, <laughs> maybe it's because we don't expect anything. But I just, they're too good, man. I just, you look at the receivers they have on both sides of the ball, their running back, their quarterback, their defensive line is unbelievable, man. Unbelievable with the talent they have up front there. And I mean, Florida State secondaries are never bad, right? Like they've always got talent there. It's just, they're loaded. I, this is a playoff team, Corey. Yeah. Uh, unless they screw it up, it's it's they their might spot. Face Louisville in the in the ACC championship game. So yeah, but at that point, if they get to the ACC title game with a perfect record, they're going to be a playoff team. Yeah, you would think, right? Because Ohio State and Michigan, one of those teams is losing. Yep. Right. Uh, and Georgia has not been as dominant as a team as Florida State this year. So. Narduzzi said he's been voting them number two in the country in his coaches poll for a while now. I, if I had a vote, I'd probably put him at number three. I, I think Funny that enough, I've, I've got him at number three, just in my own personal ranking. Yeah. Right. Like I, I think that, you know, Michigan and Georgia, Ohio state has impressive wins, but man, I mean, just Florida state just looks good. So no, I don't think it's going to be good for Pitt at all. Um, you know, and maybe I'm wrong. And if I am wrong, guess what? I'll be happy because it'll be a fun game to write about. Uh, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine, like, again, just talk about readership. You talk about clicks, all that. I, what, what? Anyone thinking about it, what's going to get more clicks? Pitt gets trounced by Florida State or Pitt has this massive win against fourth-ranked FSU? Like, yeah, that's that's only to the benefit of you, the readership, the whole thing. Right, and I don't gain money. Like, that's the other thing. That's, People yeah, are, like, yeah. talking about my – my uh, engagement on Twitter. I don't get paid for Elon having isn't paying go you? viral. Elon no. is not paying you. No, no. I will say <laughs> I had to pay for Twitter because I did a cool interview with Blake Henson last week, and I wanted to post the whole three minutes and forty seconds. And I haven't figured out how to stop paying for Twitter. But when I do, I'm gonna. So, <laughs> but that's yeah. No, I don't get paid based off of tweets going viral or whatever. I I get paid to just cover the team. That's what I like yeah. doing. Yeah, well, it's uh, certainly going to be uh, an interesting game to cover. If it's close, it's going to be uh, a really thrilling thing to write about. Right now, Pitt, uh, 21.5 point underdogs. But we'll mm. see. If they can give FSU even a close game, that would be a thrill for a lot of Pitt fans listening to this podcast right now. One last thing before we go, Noah. Today, they uh, on Monday, the ACC announced – the future schedules through 2030 now with the addition of Stanford Cal and SMU and the new setup. So the new setup is instead of having three teams that are sort of in your pod and you're cross protected where you're going to play them every year. Now it's, it could be one team. It could be three teams. It depends. Pitt has two. They've got Syracuse and Boston college. They will play every season from now until 2030. And then we'll go from there. After that, it varies based on team. Through 2030, Pitt will play Louisville five times. 
They will play Virginia Tech and NC State four times. They'll play Miami, Clemson, FSU, Georgia Tech, Stanford, SMU, and Cal three times. And then at the bottom of the list, sorry, Pitt fans, you're not going to see much of them, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, and Wake. What do you make of this for Pitt in terms of rivalries, how the schedule works out, all that? But even more importantly, as someone who travels to right. cover this team, what do you think about the the away games that you're going to go to? Of the th- the one thing I noticed of the three new ACC schools, yes, over the the course of the next seven years, Pitt is traveling to each of them. The only one they're going to twice is Stanford, and I haven't been, but I can't imagine Palo Alto is a bad place to visit twice. You know what? There's really not a lot of bad road trips in the ACC in general. I mean, there's atmospheres that are better than others but i mean just think about it like lane stadium's awesome notre dame's awesome for football and then basketball you go anywhere on tobacco road anywhere in the state of north carolina i love that place are you kidding me it's great food you know night better weather and and college sports are huge there atlanta's a great city miami's a great city boston's a great city um they're always playing some type of game in new york uh, Syracuse is a cool venue with a lot of history. You know, there, there's all of these different locations are, are awesome. Louisville is one of the most underrated cities I've ever been to. Uh, so I'm not going to complain about any of them. I am excited to, to see Dallas uh, next year. I'm excited to go to California. I mean, I've been, I've never been to Palo Alto and I've never been to where, wherever Cal Berkeley, Berkeley is. Yeah. It's just Berkeley, California. Yeah. Right. Yep. So yeah, like I, those will be cool. Um, and that's, that's like a part of my job that like, I really try to show that I don't take for granted. Like I, I post about what I'm doing the night before a game and I show, you know, the food that I eat in the press box and stuff, yeah, because it's it. like, this stuff is cool. I, I don't, I don't lose sight in that. I'm not some jaded guy who like hates his job and, and is miserable up there in the press box. Like, I'm, not, I'm having fun, man. This stuff is cool. And yeah, like I, I, I look forward to going to all of these places either again or for a first time because, you know, every, every place has its, you know, unique traditions. Every city has its unique culture and getting to experience that while also getting to document a season of an athletic team. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's for Pitt, I think overall it's, a lot of cool cities on there. I love that Boston College is now tied to it. I was literally just uh, this weekend, I was up in Boston visiting a relative, and I was at Boston College campus. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful campus. So it's great that Pitt is going to be there every other year. And in terms of just competitive balance, it I think it's there are worse things than having Syracuse and Boston College on your schedule every year. And they'll, for the most part, they'll get to play most of these teams multiple times a decent amount. It's a shame that Virginia and Duke and UNC aren't there as much, but they played each other enough in the coastal. They had enough coastal chaos. Yeah. And we'll get together for basketball and very is what it is. And also all four of those schools are all like 10 minutes apart. So like, if you go to one, you can go to all of them in a way. Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, Noah Hiles. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode. Uh, Really appreciate it. Please tell the listeners where they can find you, follow you, read your stuff. All right. Well, if you're going to find me on Twitter, please just be nice. Uh, at underscore Noah Hiles. That's N-O-A-H-H-I-L-E-S. And you can read all my work uh, at post-gazette.com or by picking up a copy of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Please be nice to the man. He, he does good work. <laughs> you can be mean. It's all right. It's, I got, I've got a pretty thick skin 
So, and I think the worst of it, knock on wood, is in the past now. So if you want to be mean, go for it. Just, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately it's kind of the world right now, but uh, definitely, <laughs> folks, remember he's a real life person, and everyone has small mistakes at work, and ultimately, this is bigger than any one tweet or any one thing. This is this is just what Pitt is this year. It's unfortunate for people listening to this that Pitt is two and six. That if they lose to Florida State, they are eliminated from bowl game contention. It's just a rough season. And there are going to be frustrations, and that just is what it is. We will be talking about it, though, right here on Football Unscripted on the Pit Talk Network. We've got Olympic Gold and Blue coming up midweek, uh, talking with Dom Campbell about Pit men's and women's soccer. Austin Beck told hosting uh, Panthers Pathway later this week to preview the FSU game. So much going on here. Please uh, follow and subscribe to Pit Talk Network wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me at Corey E. Cohen on Twitter. Follow Pit Talk Network on Twitter as well. Again, Noah Hiles, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll be back later this week and the next week with a new episode of Football Unscripted right here on the Pit Talk Network.